Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, are you hot, cold, comfortable? We'll put on a little bit of heat for some of you, maybe. Um, well, hey, last week I uh, challenged all of you to think about one word that you would use for the next year. And I ask you to take some time, 10, 15 minutes, ask God uh, what that word is, and then to put a scripture verse uh, connected to it. And I was just uh, overwhelmed by the response of how many people had sent me an email, and I tried to encourage them uh, with some words and uh, prayed for them. And if you weren't here last week, um, I would encourage you to listen to the message online you can fast forward through the parts that you're like, oh, really? Um, but uh, then to actually think of uh, a word. And you'd take 10, 15 minutes to think about one word that would um, be able to kind of guide you for uh, the, next, the next year. And a scripture uh, kind of with that. Uh, now, somebody was trying to be funny and they came up to me and they're like, I know what your word should be. And I'm like, okay. And they said, the word is faster. And I said, what do you mean by faster? They said, can you get faster in doing the teaching so we can get out of here quicker? That guy's no longer a part of the church. But anyways, um, (laughs) just joking. Hey, uh, so glad you're here today. And we're beginning a series on prayer. And uh, I'd like us to just open up with some prayer. Let's pray. God, you have been so faithful to every single person in this gym. And you have been so faithful uh, to this church called The Jar. And we want to begin uh, today with a a prayer of thanksgiving, of thanking you, God, for all the many blessings that you have given to us, all the blessings uh, in our lives, both seen and unseen, God. We come uh, this day and we, we give you thanks. And we ask right now that through your Holy Spirit, that you would come and you would move in this place. That over these next few minutes, God, more than any word that I would say, um, that people would hear from you. God, send us your favor and send us your power so that your name would be made great. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Moses sees his enemies coming. The swords are drawn. The archers are ready. Israel is going to be invaded. And it's going to be a bloodbath. And Moses starts thinking, my kids and my grandkids and my great-grandkids may die. And they will not make it until sunset. In fact, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people that are underneath my leadership will not be here tomorrow. You see, Moses knows that his troops are not ready for this sneak attack. And all the women and the children are freaking out already. And pretty soon, the chaos happens and the enemy begins to start coming. So immediately, Moses turns to 
his three most loyal friends, the people that he goes to when there's a crisis, and he gives them crystal clear directions. He says, Joshua, sound the battle cry. Get all the troops together and go after the enemy. And Joshua is young and he's courageous and he takes off. But he doesn't realize how badly all of this could go. Moses, on the other hand, is 80 years old. So he turns to his brother Aaron, who's 83 years old, and he turns to his brother-in-law, Hur, who's well up in age, and he tells him, he says, hey guys, now we're going to do what we need to do. And these three old 80-year-old men start walking up this mountain to the top of a hill. And they do what small children often do. When there's a parent that's close by and they're scared or something just kind of startles them. Moses reaches up his hands to God and he asks for help. He says, God, help us. During Christmas break, uh, my two girls decided that I needed to see the Dennis Menace Christmas story. And so we're watching Dennis the Menace, and it's getting kind of late, and we're a little bit over halfway through, and I'm like, hey, guys, why don't you go put your pajamas on, then you can come back down, and uh, we'll finish the rest of the movie. And my oldest daughter, Jordan, who uh, has all the personality of the oldest child, runs as fast as she can to the staircase because she wants to beat her younger sister, Shiloh. And so if she runs, she gets to the staircase, and Shiloh does too. And I look, and out of the corner of my eye, they both are just standing at the staircase like this. And pretty soon I hear Jordan yell out, Daddy, the lights are off. Can you carry me? So I walk to the uh, staircase, and here's Jordan like this. Daddy, carry me. So I pick her up, and uh, I start up, and Shiloh's beside me. And Shiloh's like, Dad, can you carry me too? Now, I know I got some guns here, okay? But it's two kids, right? So I'm like, you know, just barely, you know, getting them up, you know, and we finally get up there, and I turn the lights on to both of their rooms and help them get changed with their pajamas and, and all as well. Folks, Moses is 80 years old. And he does exactly what a small child does when they're afraid, when they're scared. And he reaches up to God. He says, God, if you can, in a supernatural way, would you help us? So he makes a strategic decision. And he says, I guess I could do many different things, but the thing that I think God is asking me to do more than anything else is to stand on this mountaintop and to call out and to ask God 
to move, and he reaches his hands up. Now, as many of you know, today we're launching into a six-week series on prayer. And we're really excited about it, and we're putting energy toward it, and especially our small groups that Emily talked about will be focusing in on prayer. And if you haven't signed up yet, uh, I would strongly encourage you, the small groups tables right back there, if you can go and sign up today, or they showed you how you can do that technologically, small groups, 313131. And you can be a part of a, a group. And this is the thing, folks. We're, we're not asking for a year commitment. We're not asking you for, uh, you know, a semester or for the rest of the winter season. We're only asking for four weeks. Four weeks. And that it would kind of elevate the prayer in your life. Because I think above everything else, out of all of the human privileges that we have, the single greatest human privilege that you have is that anytime, anywhere, any place, you can lift your hands and you can go to the God of heaven and earth and you can talk to him and he will speak to you. You can ask God for help and God looks down at all of his kids, whatever you're going through. And he said, I'd love for them to come to me. I'd love to answer their prayers. Just ask. Isn't that what Jesus said? He said, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. He said, the, the problem is, is that some of you just, you don't ask anymore. He says, ask. So over the next few weeks, what we're going to try to do is ratchet up the prayer in our own personal lives and in the life of the church. And if you were to ask me, well, fine, come on, seriously, like prayer? Why are we spending all this time talking about prayer? I would take you back to Moses on the hilltop. Centuries ago, as Joshua and his troops are going into battle, and they're overwhelmed by this invading army. And in Exodus chapter 17, verse 11, it says this, As long as Moses, Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever his hands were lowered, the enemy army prevailed. When his hands are up like a small child, Israel prevails. When his hands are down to his side, the enemy prevails. 22 years ago, I started reading the Old Testament for the first time in my life. Kind of took a pass the first 22 years or so. And uh, I'm reading through the Bible as a young pastor and didn't know all the stories. And I'll never forget getting to this particular story. And I'm like, oh, man, God. Like, that's the image. And for all this time, I've often wondered, kind of like, how long did it take for the three of those guys to figure out that when his hands were raised, they won, and when his hands were down, they were lowered. I'm sure some of you women right now are saying, Well, it would have taken three women a lot less time, you know, right? Yeah. 
I mean, I don't know what happened. I don't know when they figured it out. Maybe, you know, Moses is there and he has his hands up and he's praying to God. And all of a sudden he's like, it's time for a coffee break, guys. And so he goes over to his Keurig because, you know, you can't live without the Keurig. And uh, he gets your little cup and you put it in there and put it down. And, you know, he's drinking his coffee. He's like, ah, he looks at his all the texts that he's had. You know, people are down there going, dude, we're close to death. Hey, well, let me, you know, let me text him back a little bit. And while he's gone, Aaron and her are up there and they're like, dude, they're getting killed. Like they're getting slaughtered. And then Moses comes back and he lifts his hands up and he starts praying again. And all of a sudden, the war goes the other way. And the three of them start kind of realizing that, hey, there's something to like, when he lifts his hands up, we win. And when he puts his hands down, You know, we lose. I mean, what a coincidence. And then let's say that lunchtime comes, you know, and Moses has had his hands up, you know, for all this time, hours and hours. He's he's kind of got his hands up. He's like, guys, I'm getting hungry. And so he gets ready to go eat. And Aaron's like, dude, don't eat too long. You know, don't chow down. Just do it quickly. So he eats and then he looks at his pudding pop, you know, and he's like, Better not have dessert, you know, probably better, probably better get back to it. And so he gets back and he lifts his hands up again and all of a sudden they're like, wow. Like every time your hands are raised, it's like we're winning. And every time your hands are lowered, the enemy prevails. Folks, I love that image. I love the image of Moses lifting his hands up and praying to God. In fact, I was thinking about it this week, that if you forget all the other words that I speak today, I hope that none of you will forget the image of Moses on the top of that hill, praying out, calling out to God. In fact... The one thing that I want you to get from this teaching today, kind of the big idea of the teaching, it'll come up on the side screens, is that the tide of your life's battles hinges on the location of your hands. The tide of your life's battles hinges on the location of your hands. Now, physiologically, there's not a... Real big difference, you know. It's not very impressive um, when your hands are up or your hands are down. And I know a lot of you think that I only work two hours a week, so, you know, I got a lot of time on my hands. So it's kind of under challenge this week. And so I thought, you know what, honey, I want you to measure how high my hands are when I raise them up like this. So Jennifer gets on the bed, you know, and she's like standing on it. Because she's just a little over five feet tall, and she gets the tape measure out, you know, and she's like up like this, you know, trying to get it, and she finally gets it. And at the top of my fingers, when I lift my hands up like this, it's seven feet three inches. And when I put my hands down like this, from my fingers to the ground, it's 28 inches. The difference between the two is 59 inches. And you might be sitting there today, and you're like, Why are you telling us that? Like 59 inches, that's not a big deal. It's no big deal at all. I just want to say today, as a witness, 
that the experience of my life has been impacted so much for years and years basically on the location of where my hands lie. It directly affects the rest of my life where my hands are located. 59 inches may not seem like a big deal. That doesn't seem much like a difference. But in the battles of life, in the quality of my life, where I choose to put my hands is huge. I can tell you about times in my lives in which my arms and my hands were lifted up to God and and I was connecting to Him. There was a great relationship between God and I. They were held up frequently. They were held up with expectation. They were raised to the heavenly Father of the universe, and I just knew that He was listening, that He was good, that He was kind, that He wanted to help me. I could tell of the the richness of my relationship with Him during that time. I sensed His presence. I sensed His anointing. I sensed His power in my life. I'm not saying that there weren't troubles and trials and challenges during that time. I'm just saying that when my hands were raised during that season of my life, I felt His power. I felt His peace. I felt His presence. And I felt this sweeping sense that He was there for me, that He wanted to help me. Can you remember a time in your life, maybe a season of your life, where it was just like every day, you just had your hands up to God. You were reading His words in the Bible. Every day you, you looked at this and you thought, man, I can't wait till I can read some more. Or you were praying. Or you were spending quiet time with God. And then when you would go through and you would go to work, even when you went to work and there were some difficulties going on, maybe you were on a factory floor or maybe you're a construction site or you work at the hospital or you're in a restaurant or uh, you know some other place you just you're just like ah god could you help me today and you just felt like god was helping you through whatever it was maybe you're a stay-at-home mom and you got like all these kids on your legs you're like god please help you know Do you remember a time in your life when having your hands up to God was like you were having this conversation? And it felt like on the hour, every hour, you're walking through your day and you're like, Hey, God, need a little help here. God, give me a little wisdom here. Do you remember the quality and the richness of your life during a season like that? Where it felt as if every time you breathed, it was almost like you recognized God. That God was present. He was with you. I can also think of periods in my life in which my hands were down to my side. I just had a, a distance from God. Maybe an independent spirit that says, you know what, actually, I can handle all this on my own. I can do it myself. And then slowly but surely, the battles of life, the tides of life start going a totally different direction than what God's desire is. And maybe 
months later, I'm sitting there and my life is all kind of out of whack. And I'm like, like, what's happening to me? Who am I becoming? I don't like that guy in the mirror anymore. Who, who do I look like? Why am I acting like this? And folks, honestly, it just had to do with where my hands were. And they were by my side. Right by my side. I can do it on my own. I can do it in my own power. Now, folks, let me ask you this question this morning. If raising your hands can positively affect your life in some amazing ways, then why would you ever lower your hands? Like, why would you ever choose to do that? Well, the scripture tells us why. It says in the next verse that when Moses' hands grew, what's it say? Tired. When Moses' hands grew tired. I mean, even though great things are happening and his hands are raised, Moses is a human being. He can only keep them up so long. He's a normal guy. He's 80 years old. And he simply grew tired. And eventually his hands fall to his side. Every honest Christ follower I know, when I talk to them about prayer, they will talk about a period of time in their life where they were prayerless. They went through a season of prayerlessness. Folks, there have been seasons of prayerlessness in my life. I'm not proud of it, but it happened. You know, you just kind of drift a little bit. You don't do it intentionally. You don't uh, curse God. You just kind of drift. I mean, there are just some times in which you and I were tempted to lower our hands. We give in to the temptation. I'm going to give you one that happened recently. To me, it's not something that I'm proud of, but it's, it's humbled me quite a bit. Being a portable church has some great benefits to it. Uh, we get to set up and tear down and get to connect each other uh, more. Uh, we are able to put money rather than towards a building. We're able to put it towards people. And God has done like an amazing thing in the life of the jar. I'm always amazed when I look out each Sunday. I'm like, oh, God, you know, you've, you've worked in so many people's lives. What a, what a joy it's been to be a part of the ride. But from the very first year that we actually started, we used to have this divider. It was down and we met on this side. So if you can imagine that from that very first year, the number one question that I'm asked more than any other question from people when uh, they're here is they'll say, well, when are you going to get your own building? When are you going to get your own building? And folks, over the past 10 years, we have prayed and prayed and prayed. We've looked at different buildings. We've tried to uh, recognize where we felt like God was directing us. We've went with realtors to all kinds of different places. I've had other churches ask us to 
partner with them to um, share the building together. Uh, A couple of months ago, uh, one of the trustees and I went with the mayor, and he took us around to a few buildings. But every single time we've looked, we've run into some kind of problem. Old buildings that when they actually showed us what they were paying for gas and electric, we're like, there's no way we could do that and still have the impact that we think we're making. Or buildings that had to be totally renovated and the cost just would uh, be so great that it wouldn't be the same space. Parking spots. You think, well, parking's not a big deal until you don't have them. And so we've gone to buildings before and people would have to walk 16 blocks for what we would understand for you to be able to get there. Anybody want to do that today? Not enough room for childcare. Like they got a nice space for us to worship, but there's no room for our kids to grow. Sometimes we looked at price tags and we look at it and we're like, God, well, we'll have faith. But we're like, God, this is what we know we can raise. And we're just going to go into great debt and it'll all be about money. And the list goes on and on and on and on and on. Well, recently a guy came up to me who hasn't been to the jar uh, very long. And he came up to me and he goes, hey. You ever think about, like, getting your own building? (laughs) And uh, he said, you know, this would, like, solve all the problems. I mean, there would be a lot that were solved. And I punched him right in his face. No, I'm joking. (laughs) I just kind of kept my cool. I said, well, actually, you know, we... We've looked at dozens of places. We've gone with realtors. We've connected with other churches. We've, you know, had the mayor actually take us around to some different things. But nothing yet, as we prayed and sensed, is is the right fit. It's not God's fit. And then he said this. He said, well, are you guys still praying that God would open up the right fit? And... All of a sudden, I was like really convicted because honestly, in 2014, that hadn't been a prayer. You ever like had a dream dashed so many different times in your life? And you pray for it, and you pray for it, and you pray for it, and you pray for it. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a a job. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a relationship of some kind. And you just keep on praying. Maybe it's a financial need. You just keep on praying. And it's like every single time your hopes get dashed. And your hands get tired. And you would have thought, well, Chris, you're a pastor. Like, couldn't you just like one more year, dude? Couldn't you just one more year just raise your hands and say, hey, You know, maybe this is the year. Could you just pray one more year? I didn't. You want me to turn in my pastor badge? You know, I need to do that. Folks, here's the question. Am I the only person in this gym who has ever been disappointed in your heart so much that eventually, as you prayed and prayed and prayed over a period of time, you just finally got so tired that you're just like, you know what? I'm not going to do it anymore. You didn't curse God out. You didn't get mad. It didn't necessarily affect your Christian beliefs. You just stopped trusting God and praying to Him for the things in your life that you think are impossible. 
And you just started quietly saying to yourself, that's never going to happen. I'm not going to pray for it. I'm not going to pray for anything that I can't physically see. Am I the only person who's ever gone through a season like that? Because your hands got tired. Well, this Wednesday, as a a staff, we kept thinking, how can we help people to work at trying to lift their hands back up again? And so we decided we'd have a prayer night at Young's Title from 6 to 8. You can look online and find the directions for all that. It's right across from Sunshine Cafe, if that helps any of you. And whether people come for 5 minutes or 15 minutes or a half hour or whatever that we would just have a night where people could come and they could pray. And there would be these different stations, some big things in the church that we'd ask them to pray for. We're going to have communion that you could take. We're going to have quiet so that you could simply pray maybe for the prayers in your life that have gone unanswered. And no one's going to talk to you. There's no message. There's no, uh, you know, singing or, or anything like that. Just simply coming and praying. Because sometimes you get so pulled by the rat race of this life and it's all about the schedule and it's about the next thing i got to do and the next thing i got to do. Some of you are sitting there right now and you're already thinking, you're right. I've got stuff I should be doing. Why am I here at church? I should leave. Don't do that. Lock the doors, greeters. But folks, you weren't created to be human doings. You were created to be human beings. And some of you need to take a moment where you're just, where you can just be in the presence of God. Well, let's get back to the hilltop and what uh, Moses does when his hands get tired. The scripture says this, when Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. And Aaron and her held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other. Isn't that a beautiful image? You're there and then two people that you know come and they just kind of, they kind of crawl underneath your arm and they kind of help raise your tired, aching, worn out arms. And this is 80 year old Moses and he's reaching up to God like a small child and He's 80 years old, and eventually his arms just get so tired, he can't do it. And so these two guys just kind of crawl underneath his arms, and they raise his arms up. And it's almost like when they do that, they're telling him, they're saying, Moses, we know you're tired, buddy. We know you're exhausted. But what we're going to do right now is we're going to kind of fuel you up. We're going to cheer you up. We're going to hold you up. We're going to come underneath your arms and lift you up. And Moses, I want you to know this. You're not alone. You're not alone in this, Moses. You are not alone. And you know, every intelligent Christ follower I know eventually learns to do, they they eventually learn what to do when their arms get tired. Every intelligent Christ follower I know eventually learns what to do when their arms get tired. 
they'll go to a brother or sister and they'll humble themselves. And they'll say, hey, can you, can you hold my hands up for a little bit? Not forever, but just for a, a season of time. This week I was struggling with some stuff and I have a group of people that pray for me and I, I just sent out a little text and I just asked them, hey, could you pray for me? It's a humbling thing, isn't it? To be able to go to people and say, you know what? I'm struggling with something right now. Would you pray for me? Because most of the time, you know what? We, we think we got it all under control. And so uh, smart Christ followers go, hey, just, just hold my hands up. Not forever, just for a season. But you would never know what it would mean to me if you would just pray. Every once in a while, I don't know about you, but my faith tank gets low. It's like you're driving and driving and things don't seem like they're working. And pretty soon your faith tank actually gets down to E. And every once in a while, there'll be someone that says, you know what, Chris? I'm going to let you siphon off some of my faith. I'm going to allow my faith to be placed into your tank. I'm telling you, folks, when you have people that are lifting your hands up and they're giving you faith that you can't muster up on your own, Christian community just doesn't get any better than that. I've shared this story before, but... uh, Five years ago, a big transition happened here at the JAR where all of the staff left for different reasons within a period of six months except for Mikey. Mikey and I were it. And uh, I like Mikey, but, I mean, you know, it's Mikey, okay? And, uh, oh, yeah, I'll get an email this week. Oh, poor Mikey, you know. But I remember that that period of time, and I was just so devastated. I was dumbfounded. And my, my, my faith tank, folks, was as low toward E as it could get. And I remember going through that battle thinking to myself, you know, I mean, maybe the dream of this church, it's, it's dead. It's just dead. And there were people that would come up and, most people didn't even think about it, but every once in a while people go, "Ah, right, you doing okay? How's it going? But there were a couple people that actually came to me, and they got right in my face, and they said, we're going to lift your hands up. We are going to pray for you. And regardless of how long it takes, what the battle is, for as long as it needs to be, until the tide turns in your spirit. And I was so anxious and so overwhelmed. I'm like, okay, you know. And, and one of them, what they would do, almost on a weekly basis, they would, they would send a prayer to me via email. And I was looking at one this week. This is what it said. Father God, I come before you right now lifting up my friend and my pastor, Chris, to you. I can only imagine the kind of pressure he is feeling right now at this moment with several key leaders no longer serving at the jar. Bring comfort to him, a deep abiding sense of your love and your grace and your very presence. I pray that you will give him wisdom as he continues to move the jar forward. Father, I ask that you give him your strength during this season, that you would help him to give to you all the worry, all the anxieties. 
Help him to fully trust that you will fill in whatever gaps there are. Help him to realize how proud you are of him and how much you love him as your special son. I don't know how many of you have kept a, an email for five years. But I've kept that email for five years. And you're like, why? Why would anybody keep an email for five years? Because I remember when those words, when I read them in a sense of prayer, that someone was holding my arms up. And it was like the anxiety and the weight of everything I was carrying was lifted. And there was a peace that surpasses all understanding that flowed into my life. Why? Because someone else said, Chris, I got your back. I'm going to hold up your arm. Each Wednesday morning, I have a group of leaders, different leaders in the church that will come and they'll pray for me. And uh, there are many things that I could give up, believe me. But if like it came down to like, like what's the one thing you wouldn't give up to do your job? It'd be Wednesday morning. I get up at six o'clock or I'm there at six o'clock. It starts at six. And I would I would do it any time because there is no power like people who are coming and they're lifting your arms up and they're praying for you. And all of a sudden there's a strength that I can't muster on my own. But there are people who are like, we're for you. We're with you. We're praying for you. Now question, is that an image that's currently happening in your reality? In your life right now, do you have a her? Do you have an Aaron? Do you have anybody else who is there to lift up your arms, to lift your hands up to God when you can't? I mean, you know them, they know you. You can be honest, you can share exactly what you feel, and they don't have any judgment towards you whatsoever. Or maybe just as importantly, do you know a Moses right now who's going through some heavy stuff? Like they are carrying a huge load. And it would mean so much if it's a coworker or a friend or a neighbor that you got out of your comfort zone and you said, I know you're going through so much. I want to help you. I want to help carry. I want to help lift up your arms. I was thinking about it today. Some of the wisest choice or some of the the wisest choice you could make today for some of you who are carrying a really heavy burden is to stop by the small groups table or go online and say amen. Because it would be dumb. You know, like if I had the cure for AIDS and I had it and I said, here, here, here's the cure. It takes care of everything. And I didn't give it to somebody. It'd be dumb. It'd be dumb for me to tell you if you're carrying something right now and you're holding on to something, not to, not to leave today without stopping by and saying, for four weeks, four weeks I can do it. Four hours, maybe six hours of my life. Some of you watch HGTV for six hours in a row. Or sports. It could change your life. I mean, the reason we're putting so much time and energy and focus into these groups is because for some of you, 
we're praying and hoping that maybe for the first time in your life, you can get a brief taste of what it's like to have some people around you who will lift up and hold up your arms. That when you go and you're there and you're with this group and then you get ready to leave, there's someone and they're like, hey, 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 I just want you to know, I'm praying for you this week that the tide of your marriage battle will change. Hey, 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 I'm, I'm letting you know right now that I'm going to be praying for you this week that the tide of your work battle is going to change. I'm praying for you that the tide of your health condition is going to change. And when you get in your car and you start driving away and you're like, I'm not alone. I mean, I'm not alone. And so you're doing your best to hold up your arms to God and you get a couple people that are helping hold them up when you get tired. And I'm telling you, you get the greatest feeling in the world. It doesn't get better than that. Back to the text one final time. Exodus 17, at the end of verse 12, the first part of 13 says, Aaron and Hur steadied Moses' arms till sunset. And Joshua overcame the enemy. So Moses is up there. He's got his hands like a small child, lifting them up to God. But eventually his arms start uh, getting tired. He starts getting, uh, you know, worn out and his arms are aching and they start coming down. And all of a sudden Aaron and her are like, oh, we got you. And so they, they lift up his arms and they do this all day. And they're all exhausted by this time. But they're kind of excited because they look down from the hilltop and they see that, man, it's really changing. And the victory eventually comes. And Joshua and all the soldiers are like, we won. And they start filing by the hilltop where these three old guys are. And they're like, hey. God did it! Like we did our part here on the battlefield, but you did the most important part. You raised your hands and prayed and interceded for us. And the victory is ours. They're like, we could tell when your hands were up, man, we were killing them. But when your hands were down, they started slaughtering us. Keep your hands up. And I want to say just, one last time that the tide of your life's battles hinges on the location of your hands. Now when you walked in today in your uh, program, you should have received a, a little card. It looks like this one right here up on the screen. I'd like you to pull it out for a second. And uh, what I'd like you to do is I'm going to give you just a couple of minutes, but I'd like you to think right now of writing in that little square. If you don't have one, just raise your hand. We'll get one to you. If you don't have one, it'd be good for everybody to have. Just raise your hand and uh, Marty Chris or somebody will get you one. Just keep your hand up there. And what I'd like you to do is just to think of what your single greatest need is. 
and then I'd like you to write it down. And maybe for some of you, it's something that you actually gave up on. Or you're like, you know what, it's impossible, there's no way. And what we want to challenge you to do this day is to write down what it is. And then for the next 35 days that that you would pray during this series daily, God, I lift up my hands to you for help with whatever it is. And some of you might be like, yeah, but after that, then what do I pray? I don't know what to pray. I wrote one for you. So all you got to do is, let's say you have a daughter who you've been praying for for a long time. You say, dear God, I lift up my hands to you for help with my daughter. My help comes from you. I know that you're able through your mighty power at work within me to accomplish infinitely more than I could ask or imagine. And nothing is impossible for you. And you flip it over and you finish the prayer. I don't know what your thing is, but whatever it is, I want to invite you to write it down and then put this bookmark somewhere that each day you can say it and you pray it. It's right there. And I'm just believing that in the next 35 days, God is going to answer a lot of prayers in this place. So let me give you a moment here to just write down whatever your single greatest need is you have right now.